right. Anybody tired? Yeah, no, no, nobody's tired. Well, the food was good, so I know that fueled me, but I, I have to say I'm tired. I went, um, I went riding with my, with my boys, and uh, I'm, I'm not, you know, with age comes a cage. I bought into that a while ago, and so I, I don't, I haven't ridden in a long time. And I'm out here, and I can tell you, I'm going to be sore tomorrow. <laughs> so I might be sitting up here like this a little bit tomorrow morning, but uh, super fun. I'm so grateful. It sounds like nobody really got hurt seriously, um, and just a few broke down, which, which is normal, but we're glad everybody made it safe. And so appreciate the Ruts guys um, and gals that help out do this stuff. It's, it's such a blessing because... Um, even, you know, afterwards, like, like they were saying, if you want to find out information, I'm, I'm shamelessly plugging ruts because, um, I just love the leadership there and the way all of those team, you know, people come together as one team and they pull off events that bless people that share the good news of Jesus with other people, uh, that are far from God and, and encourage those that are drawing near to God. And so, so grateful for them and for Hume. I don't, I don't know about you, but Something like this does more than just uh, encourage you spiritually. It gives you energy to go back into life. I know you're going to be tired on Monday. That's okay. Um, but think about how, how you had an impactful weekend with your family, hearing from God's word, eating good food, meeting some new people, all centered around Jesus Christ. And that's a huge thing. And if you can remember that, have that carry you through to other things and tell your friends about dirt. Tell everybody you know about dirt because this is a great event to do. I'm going to I'm going to continue going on in in Romans chapter 8. And so if if you know, you can just listen along. Um, many of you have heard it. But Romans 8, we talked about the idea of traction and how does traction come? Through whom? Who gives us traction? Jesus. Okay, easy Sunday school answer, right? Jesus. Jesus gives us traction. And how does he do it? By the forgiveness of sins. Romans 8, in, in verse 3, it, it said that. It said that he did this. He became someone, God sent his son in the likeness of sinful flesh to be a sin offering. So that he condemned sin in the flesh. So that righteousness might be fulfilled in us. We talked about how we have this traction provided for us, and it is not a traction that is only straight on, but it's a traction that helps make the turns. It helps roll the ruts. It helps you manage to avoid things. It helps you dodge those giant rocks that we were encountering on the way to Randsburg. It helps you do all of that if the traction is appropriate, and Jesus through the forgiveness of sins, gave us spiritual traction. He provided it for anyone and everyone. He said, you want a tire? Here's a tire. I laid down my life so that you could lay down your life, and I laid down my life so that you could be forgiven, and if you will receive my forgiveness, then I will provide you with everything you need to be made right with God. Not that everything in life is going to be perfect, but everything you need to be right with God. Our ride today wasn't perfect. 
I know there was more than one breakdown. I know there was, there was uh, you know, a whole bike that came back a little busted up. I know flat tires. I know all kinds of stuff happened. Oh, flipped a quad. That's horrible. That's horrible. Are you okay? Good. I'm glad. Praise the Lord for that. But the idea of things will go wrong, but if we, if we trust in Christ, we can build back up. We talked about how if you're far away, you can still come back always, anytime. Because the forgiveness of sins wasn't just a, a one-time offering. It was actually something that we draw from, not because we want to take advantage, because we don't. We want to draw towards him. But if we fall, which we all do, then we draw back to him. Because the forgiveness of sins is available. Then we talked about how not only do you have to recognize the truth of the forgiveness of sins, but you got to lock it in. You have to say, no, I recognize things that are wrong and things that are right. How do I know them? Because it's defined by God in his word. We didn't design it. He designed it. You didn't design your engine, but you have to care for it and you have to understand how to change the oil, how to make it breathe, how to give it the right and appropriate fuel, even how to mix the air in the fuel appropriately so you're not popping and smacking everywhere so that you can go forward. And that's the exact same thing. There's an instruction manual for life, and it's God's word. God's word provides the instructions for us. And there's an element that we're going to talk about today tonight that is that is the most important element it's actually the element that that actually oversees all of this process that there is no possibility of spiritual traction without this and using the analogy of our tire where we've got it locked onto a rim with our rim lock it's all good but if it doesn't have any air inside of it it still won't help you have traction It'll feel fine if you're going straight, but again, if you try to make a hard turn, that thing's going to slip, and you may even slip the bead. Probably not where the lock is, but somewhere else. And once that starts, you know how it goes. It just keeps going. Here's the thing. Romans chapter 8, after we just read about the idea of do not you know, you have sin, sin uh, is forgiven. Uh, you have forgiveness. It's available through Jesus. And then it says, those who live according to the flesh have set their mind on the things of the flesh. And that's the idea of don't do the things. Don't search after things that will not provide for you what you're looking for. Money, fame, fun, whatever it is. If that's the ultimate of your life, it will end up feeling very, very empty. It will end up feeling like, I thought I was going to get there. I thought I was going to achieve, but I didn't. And you feel like the wind was taken out of your sails. I know I'm switching analogies there, but it's kind of important. Because the final element that is required and the element that is absolutely necessary, you cannot have traction in your life without it, is the Spirit of God. The air. I don't have a fancy analogy for this. I just want you to put your hand in the air, and I want you to feel the wind. Do you feel the wind? You can feel the wind. You guys, you young ones, you feel the wind? 
You know what I used to do when I was a kid? Stick your finger in your mouth, pull it out, and then you can feel which direction it's come from. And your finger tastes really good, too, doesn't it? Mine tastes like tri-tip, so it's all good. But the idea of wind, we don't see it. We don't know even where it's coming from, but yet we feel the effects of it. I'm not, and that's nothing new with me. That's actually Jesus talked about that. But here's the thing. When you have, and we'll say, you know, you got a tube, right? You got a tube, and if you're going to run a race, it depends on the, the terrain that you're running in where you put the right PSI in, right? Some run 7 PSI if it's soft. Some run up to words of 12. Some run even higher. Just depends on style. I get it. But here's the thing that you need to know. Unless you have the Spirit of God dwelling with you and in you, you cannot have traction. You can look like you have traction for a little while. But when it comes down to it, the only thing that can provide you what you need is God himself providing the forgiveness and then allowing you to live in the reality of that forgiveness continually. In Romans chapter 8, verse 9, it says this. You, however, after just talking about how you're not, you're not in the realm of the flesh, you're not in the realm of the rebellion, you're in the realm of something different. You, however, those of you that have believed on Christ, you're not in the realm of the flesh, but you are in the realm of the Spirit, if indeed the Spirit of God lives in you. And that if indeed is the idea of, we know this to be true for those that believe, but here's the thing, if, if you think you believe, if you think you have faith, but all you've done is you've looked at the tire, you've said, I know there's forgiveness. You've looked at the lock and you said, I know that that's the way I'm supposed to go. And then you've looked at the bike and said, I trust that that could power my life, but I'm not willing to get on it. If that's true, then does the Spirit of God dwell in you? That's the question. The question's a hypothetical in some ways because it's not based on us. It's based on our belief. But our belief can be so fickle. It goes on to say, but if, and if anyone does not have the spirit of Christ, then they do not belong to Christ. Do you see why this element is so important? Because it actually gives this delineator after it already said look there's no condemnation for those that are in Christ Jesus there is nothing that can can make you condemned but disbelief can make you condemned why because you haven't put your trust in what actually makes you right provides forgiveness and empowers your life takes attraction from the ground all the way up to what you're riding upon and it says if you don't have the spirit then, then you don't have Christ. Let's continue on. In verse 10, it says, But if, the, if Christ is in you, then even though your body is subject to death because of sin, the Spirit gives life because of righteousness. The idea there being is, here's the thing. We know we're going to die in the body. It's an unfortunate reality of the fact that sin entered the world, death entered the world, and we deal with it. I spoke with a gentleman who actually just drove back into town uh, where he was at for a funeral yesterday. 
And we realize that we all know that that comes. And young people, I know, and especially teenagers, you think you're invincible and, and it can never come, but it will come. And the hope, the hope that we have in Christ is that though our body may die, we will not die forever. He provides eternal life. But it's for those that have the spirit dwelling in them. It goes on to say that in verse 11, And if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead is living in you, then he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies because of his spirit who lives in you. That verse right there is so important to understand because it says, if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead lives in you, if he lives in you, I want you to think about the reality that the spirit who raised him from the dead, it's this wonderful verse showing this animating power of the spirit that a dead thing came to life. A broke down thing started up again. Something that had all the oil drained, it had all of uh, the metal poured into it, and it was run through, and it was not running, but the Spirit came and made it run. I know we know many of us would say, yeah, okay, I believe in Jesus and his resurrection, but here's what you have to know. The same Spirit <laughs> that did that lives inside of you. And he says he will give life to your mortal bodies. If you go back to chapter 6, it actually talks about this before. In chapter 6, it talks about how our mortal bodies can be done with sin. Does it mean we'll be perfect? No. But what it's saying is, look, if you know God, if you trust in him, if you see that he provides forgiveness, if you know that righteousness comes not by doing right things, because you're not really good at that, but it comes by him doing the right thing and him providing you everything you couldn't, forgiveness and righteousness, and then him offering it to you, saying, here it is. Lock it in. But before you do that, remember, you have to invite me in to fill you, to fill you. A tire without air in it is pretty, pretty worthless, especially if it's your rear tire. The power source, the thing that moves you forward, the thing that propels you forward in your walk with God, in your walk in life. Why do I say and equate the two? Because here's why. If you are running your life in a godly way, that is, as the Spirit indwells you and changes your thinking and you start to operate the way He intends you to, then when you f start doing that on a regular basis, you will actually find that your life goes so much smoother. It's, it's, like, it's like riding on the perfect trail, and it even has these awesome whoops, but they're not too deep. They're not catching you off guard, but they're actually just giving you life. And that's what the Spirit wants for us. But he says, look, turn away from the things that are wrong. Turn towards me, because if I live in you, you won't help yourself but turn towards me. And so the challenge for us is that we understand that 
we are a little bit responsible for how we respond and interact with the Spirit. The Spirit's the one that provides everything you need. I, I think of it like this, PSI, right? We know that, pounds per square inch. And we set our tires to that, whether it's our trailer tires. And I got to tell you, I was on my way here, and I, I had, not on my way here, but getting ready for here, borrowed a trailer from a friend, get the thing, and there's only 20 pounds in one of the tires on the rear. And I was like, oh, man, I got to fix this. So I swapped it out. Luckily, I caught it ahead of time. But if I had ran that thing at 20 pounds all the way out here, probably would have heated up and exploded, and then I would have been sitting on the side of 395 for a few minutes trying to fix it. And so PSI is important. And I want you to think of this acronym <laughs> when you think of PSI. And the next time you check your air pressure, whether it's on your bike, whether it's on your UTV, or whether it's on your trailer or car or truck, I want you to think of this. I have to have the powerful spirit indwelling me. The powerful spirit indwelling me, the PSI. Because if I don't have that, it doesn't really matter how good I believe Jesus' forgiveness is. It doesn't matter how good I believe his instruction is. I've never invited or asked him to take my life and exchange my insides for his insides. And that, my friends, is the gospel message, simple and plain. It is this thing that we've already read, that Jesus came, he provided forgiveness for sins, that we could not provide it. How did he provide it? By living a perfect life, by never doing anything wrong, by never getting frustrated with anyone around him in a wrong way, but in a godly way, getting frustrated with wrong things. He called people to true righteousness, and he showed them what it looked like. And they said, we don't like that because we've got our own ways of doing things. We've got our own cultural norms. We've got our own desires, our own things, and not what the Spirit desires, not what God desires, but what we desire. And we want that to be above all else. And because of that, they said, you don't fit here, and they executed Jesus. Killing him on a cross. And when they killed him on a cross, something happened that was miraculous, that they did not know, that they did not plan for. It was the fact that God conquered sin and death with the act of God dying on a cross. And I know that's hard to believe for some of you. But I want to encourage you, don't let that pass you by. Because here's the thing that the Bible says. It says that if you die in your sin, you will reap the benefit of your sin, which is death. But if you die having received the forgiveness of sins, then though your mortal body will die, you will be risen to new life eternal someday. And the message of the gospel is that simple fact that you cannot do it on your own. You need someone else to provide you with everything you need. And you just have to say, I'm willing to jump on. I'm willing to allow the traction to be there. I'm willing to say, Lord, take me where you want me to go. Take me how you want me to go. Show me what it is to follow you. And I will. I'll do it. You have to be willing to do that. It's not your work that provides the righteousness you need. It's your trust in the one who did the work on your behalf.
And that's what the powerful spirit indwelling does. Many Christians I've found that are walking their spiritual life don't find traction in their life because they're trying to walk it on their own. They're not actually allowing God in his spirit to indwell them fully. They may believe, but they've never submitted and bent their knee and said, you know what? I'm laying down my thing. I'm laying down my life and I'm giving it to you. I don't know what that looks like. That's the really hard part, folks. I don't know your life. I don't know your baggage. You young people, I don't know what it means for you to submit to God and then continue to. But here's what I do know is that if you ask God and you pray to him and request for him to teach you, he will teach you. He will show you what it means to submit. Some of you guys have some baggage you got major baggage. No one can fix it. No one can tell you how to submit. No one can tell you how to stop being rebellious. I can't. I won't try. But here's who can. Jesus, the Spirit of God, the Father who loves you. And he will if you ask him and if you surround yourself with others. And so I just want to ask you the question. Do you believe that Jesus provided what you need? Do you believe that his instruction can give life? And are you willing to say, Lord, I want to submit all of my life and all that I am to your understanding. Please come and dwell with me. I believe in the forgiveness of sins through Christ, and I want you to take my life. I lay my life down so that you can pick it back up again, filling me fully with the knowledge and understanding of who you are and the love you provide. And if you've done that, then you have all the traction you need, and you just need to walk in it. What does that look like? It looks like sitting down on the thing and saying, Lord, where am I not aligning with you? It's easy to say, I'll take all the free forgiveness all day long. It would be like if I stood out here and said, you know what? I've got a bunch of high octane gas and I'm just giving it away. Anybody who wants it, just take it. Would you line up? Absolutely. But would you, would you ride in a direction if I told you to go that direction if I offered you the gas? Maybe so. Until it got hard or until other people said, no, let's go this way or this way or that way. Here's what's different about God. If you fully submit yourself to him, the spiritual indwelling, the powerful spirit, that is the same one who raised Jesus from the dead, can give life to your mortal body. Meaning, he can give you the energy and the way to see through all of the mess of our culture, all of the mess of our self-centeredness, all of the mess of what it means to just live selfishly and actually turn and say, Lord, I want to live for you. Show me how. Show me how. You see, this is something that we don't necessarily hear a ton about in our culture. But if you want to gain your life, you have to be willing to give it up. 
Jesus is pretty sure of who he is. He's not looking for people's approval. What he's looking for is he's looking for people who say, you know what, I know who you are. I believe who you are. I will put my trust in who you are. So make me just like who you are. I'm done trying to run my own race. I'm done trying to run my own markers, but I'm going to sit down in what you have clearly said and provided for me. And if you do that, then you will find that the traction of forgiveness, that the locking in of his instruction, that the empowerment of his spirit to continually allow you to see the forgiveness and lock into the instruction will allow you to move forward in ways that you never thought you could. And I could tell you testimonies of people whose whole life was turned completely upside down when they came to know Jesus. And I can tell you people who learned very young what it was like to follow Jesus and have lived a life with him in a trajectory of, of growing joy and encouragement throughout their life. And I can show you people who have shipwrecked in their faith and who've gotten back up. I can show you all kinds of things. There's no one way that you're going to walk your spiritual life, but there is only one way to receive spiritual life. And so I just want to close in prayer, and I want to give you an opportunity. And this, this is the thing. I, I don't twist arms. I don't do altar calls. The Spirit of God calls his people to himself. What I do is hopefully help explain it and then give you an opportunity to say, if you believe it, if you understood what I just said about your need for forgiveness, your willingness to believe in Jesus and say, you know what, I will lay down my life and let him take it up and fix it up. Then God is calling you right now, and he's talking to you. And I don't know where you're at. Maybe this is the first time you've heard the message. Maybe this is the 1,500th time you've heard this message. Maybe you've been in church most of your life, but you've never actually allowed the powerful spirit to indwell you by saying, I submit my will so that you might take my will. And I want to give you the gear to do that. It's a simple prayer, and the prayer doesn't do anything. It's the, the intent of the heart behind the prayer. And it's a simple thing. So bow your heads, everybody with me. A simple prayer of submission to God and I learned this at a church I worked at. It's, it's really simple. It's this. It's, it's ABCs. How do we do the ABCs? We first, we admit that we're a sinner who needs a Savior. We admit that we cannot fix our sin. We cannot make up for it. Then we B, believe that Jesus is the only one that can make us right with God. He's the only one that can provide forgiveness of sins by his death his burial, his resurrection, and his ascension. But beyond admitting our need and believing that Jesus is the one, we have to choose to commit ourselves to him. And that's that third element, committing. And you could pray a simple prayer like this, Lord, I admit my need for you because I know that my life is running without anything in it, without any traction. Lord, I admit I'm a sinner I believe that Jesus paid the penalty for my sin, and I choose to commit my life to you.
Please take over my thoughts and my desires and transform them into your thoughts and your desires, Lord. And if you pray that prayer, then you are a child of God and you have a new way of approaching the world. You are one that we read in Romans 8.1, that there is no condemnation. You are one that is not going to push after uh, the spirit Uh, sorry, of the flesh, the realm of the flesh, trying to fulfill the flesh, but actually you're making that turn and saying, Lord, I'm turning away from wrong things and I'm turning towards you, towards right things. And I'm so grateful for that. If you're here and you need to recommit your life to the Lord, I encourage you to do that. You know how to do it. You've done it before. I'm calling you to do it again. Why? Not because I get anything out of it, but because you get something out of it. You get restoration from God. The same power that rose Jesus from the dead can dwell inside of you. Lord, thank you for these people. I pray that what I shared would be an encouragement somehow. Lord, you know your people. You call them to yourself. I'm so grateful for that. I pray that we would be encouraged by this truth, that we would remember the forgiveness that's been provided, that we would lock in your instruction, and Lord, that we would say, Spirit, come and fill me. If we've received you, we have you. But Lord, help us submit to you. Like this wind blowing on my face right now, Lord, help me pay attention to you and your spirit. I pray this all in Christ's name. Amen.